Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. We're back with episode two of the Check Complete podcast. We're excited to be back here. Gordy, alongside... um, Brandon Sweetman. Yeah. Of course, we said we'd have different co-hosts every week. So this is Brendan's identical twin brother. No, it's not. No, no, it's- no. If you didn't like me last week, uh, that's that's too bad. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the good Lord that there is not two Brendan Sweetmans in the world. I think week. that would make things a little bit more interesting. I disagree. Especially if we're on the same referee crew together. That would be interesting. Yeah. Have me on the line and you in the middle. Uh, Is it too late to decline that assignment? Nope. We're back with week two, episode two. <laughs> we're so glad you're here. We got several. We got good. I mean, we're partial. We're biased, but we've got yeah, good content. Yeah, because we made it. You know, we done. We, we done think it. it's pretty good. Yeah, we did. So we've got uh, quite a few things we're going to talk about today. Um, we've got some pregame nonsense that we're going to go over. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. And then. Um, the NFHS season is about to begin here in Kansas for the high school girls, Missouri high school girls, Nebraska high school boys and girls are getting ready to roll, Iowa the same thing. So um, we're going to talk about the NFHS points and dentists. If you don't work high school, then we just encourage you to listen along, or, I mean, or fast forward, whatever you want to do during that segment. I guess. It's, it's interesting. You might it as well is. listen. Yeah. It is. And we'll make it fun. It's not so. going to kill you. Exactly. And then we're, we are super stoked. Uh, we have an interview for you with pro assistant referee Jeff Swartzel. Jeff, uh, Jeff's awesome. Jeff is really cool. Jeff's a great guy. Yeah, and he didn't even pay us to say that. Like, that's our honest thoughts. So we have an interview with him that we're excited to play with you. And then we have a new uh, word for you to work into your next round of games. So stick with us here for the next few minutes. So first thing we talked about is pregame nonsense, Brennan. And so the spirit of where this is coming from, this is a conversation I had with someone last fall. We were talking about how in pregame conversations with our crew, and then separately pregame conversations with the coaches and captains uh, before the game. Excuse me, there is some nonsense that for some reason has stuck around for quite some time. Like, I don't yeah. know why these these phrases, this vernacular has stuck into it, and we've kept going with some things. So we're going to talk about first among the crew, and then with our captains and coaches, and of course, we want to hear from you. Okay, we want to hear back from you, and we're going to loop back on this segment maybe in a, in a couple episodes to hear what you think or what you have experienced as far as some nonsense in pregame. So let me give you one example to get us started. I'm going to talk to you of these. I was working at an event last summer. I was working with uh, another grassroots referee, and the person said, since we don't have VAR today, and proceeded to continue on. And I'll be honest, I don't know what, what, the, what else the rest of said because it threw me off. And I was like, I wasn't a jerk, but I wanted to interject and go, what games are you working that do have VAR? This is a grassroots referee. Grassroots referee. I don't, but I was. Okay. I want to know what youth league that they have in that, <laughs> yes. in that city because I want to go ref it. What, you, <laughs> what U12s is somebody going to the monitor to look for? Because I would do that. That would be fun. That, I would do I that. I would do that too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the other one that uh, actually when we, when we talked to when, when we'll, we talked with Jeff and recorded an interview with him. Oh, yeah. Actually, he brought it up. He, he brought it up <laughs> um, that like, all right, you guys have offside today. Like, 
the referee talking to the ARs. No. Really? Really? Like, you want me to... Outside of your first ever game, ever, you probably don't need to bring that up. <laughs> so, especially at higher in, level games. Like, we've heard that in college games. In a college game. Yeah, the referee comes up, you guys got offside today. That's your number one priority. Oh, good thing I remembered that. <laughs> Where do I write that down? <laughs> this guy's got some killer pregame right That's here. That's right. That's right. Um, your, your story. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I was doing the President's Cup Regionals event years ago. And uh, referee's giving his pregame, and he's getting really in-depth, and we're talking about potential dog-so situations. And this was back before they had changed the wording of the laws. So this is when we had the, uh, the four Ds, the distance, direction, defenders, um, distance, distance to goal. To goal. Yeah, distance to ball, distance to goal. And so he's saying, all right, if I have a you know, potential dog-so on your side of the field, and I have a couple of the, the Ds, and you might have the other half, so I'll come over, and we'll put our Ds together, and we'll talk about it. As serious as can be, <laughs> says this. And I'm sitting there turning bright red, thinking, okay, you're coming over for every single decision. <laughs> you realize that. <laughs> did, did, our, did we just have to put, like, explicit on our podcast now? Um, you know, we, because of this story? I did bring that up beforehand, and you said, no, it's fine, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. So please direct your lawsuits to the G. Wetmore 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one, I said, this is not really among the crew, but this is just one that just cracked me up. There was a guy that, that used to referee high school soccer in this area, great sense of humor, older guy, would say as we're walking up to the field, would look at the trainer dead in the eyes and say, you got those paddles? You better start warming them up. <laughs> and the trainer would just look back at him with this just look Just turn of, pale. Oh, just <laughs> horror on their face, you know? And I was just, oh, I'd just kill them. So if you have some that you'd like to add to that list, we, we, are, we desperately want to hear from you. Because these are, some of these are just awesome. Just hilarious. And what have been said behind closed doors, hopefully. Not um, anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. They've been publicized. <laughs> but then the other layer that we want to hear from you is with coaches and captains. You yeah, know, so th people... this is one that you've heard before. Yeah, the one I've heard is is when they ask for who the speaking captain is. The speaking captain. I don't know where... So they bring up two captains, and they write the numbers down and say, so who's my speaking captain? Right, I don't understand that. And like in basketball, so I, not to go to the other sport that I do, but basketball, I did a two-person crew game this year, and the, the guy was asked, this older referee asked them who the speaking captain is. He's like, do you have anything to add? And I really wanted to say... Anybody can talk to me today. But right. I felt like that was subversive to what he had just said. Right. Because I don't understand that. Like, why would you... I, and honestly, like, like and, if you, and if you know where that originated, I want to hear about please, that, too. Please let us know. Yes, please email us. Because I can't find that in, like, practical advice for the laws, you know, for the game officials. Anywhere. I don't know where that yeah. came from. So I'm curious if somebody can tell me where that came from. But, yeah. And the other one that's kind of interesting is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So detailing... Who is home and away when it's very, very obvious? Like if it's a team's third game in a weekend and they're doing a tournament, okay, maybe they don't know. But when you've got, you know, a high school, college game where a team's traveled from an hour or more to be there and you're like, okay, so you guys are home, you got that, you guys are away, you got that? And the team that's just gotten off the bus is like, yeah, I think we're pretty much set on that one. We know. We know. Yeah, again, if it's a club game, you know, like a third or fourth game on the weekend, right, different yeah, story. Yeah, something. like maybe they don't, they, they're home every five minutes so like whatever right but i remember this <laughs> distinctively from a game this last fall where a team had traveled like three hours to get to the game like, okay you're home and you're away all Whoa. right no way well i'm glad we got that sorted out <laughs> yeah now who's my speaking captain <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we want to, and this kind of goes into, and we're going to do it probably, in a, I, I would like to do a whole, maybe even a significant segment on a pregame conversation, what that should sound like with the crew, but even just with the captains. With the well. captains. Yeah. It, this hopefully will be like a very helpful PSA. If you are still walking people through a long, drawn out pregame conversation with captains, stop it. Okay? Because <laughs> it's just not, we don't need to go. I mean, I, I feel like there's been summer I sit there and it's like, it's going on forever. And, yeah. September 4th, 1990, at 1.18 p.m., I emerged from the womb. Like, we, <laughs> we don't need to hear your whole life story. This is ridiculous. And we've so, asked this in classes that we've taught as instructors. Hey, who's been a captain and heard the 10-minute long pregame? And everyone's like, oh, I have. Have you ever gone back to your teams and relayed that information? Nope. Nope. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So get them there. Ask who the speaking captain is. <laughs> Make sure they know who's home and away. <laughs> no. Get them there. <laughs> Greetings, exchange, shake hands, whatever. Do you have any questions for me? I usually ask the question, do you have any questions for me? And they look at, and they, no one ever has any questions for you. So right. don't even, the only reason over time they might ask. The only yeah, reason why time. the only reason why I ever ask that is so I can say after they say no questions I go oh thank God and it always <laughs> gets a laugh it always gets a laugh. There you go. So I always work that in, but honestly asking if anybody has any questions is no good either. So I, what I would say is hey we're gonna respect each other respect the game respect us and let's have fun today okay heads or tails you're calling the air you get to choose ball or side right yeah yeah we don't need a long drawn out. You know, sometimes if you're in a, a postseason competition, congratulations on getting here. Great season. Mm -hmm. This is what happens if we're tied at the end of regulation. We don't need a yeah. long conversation. The one thing we do need for a coin toss, though, is a coin. Yes. <laughs> so that dovetails into our next and last uh, bullet point on this is using anything other than a coin to do a coin toss. And the one that you've heard quite a bit. Yeah, so I've heard this, and I've actually used this because it was told to me when I was first starting out is, uh, do I have a one or a six behind my back? And you will be surprised how many players will say six. And I'll pull out my hand with five fingers on it and look at them, and then they'll give the ball to the other team. Exactly. <laughs> so or rock, you... paper, scissors is another one that I've heard. Right. Yeah. Right. Have a coin. It's Get a quarter. Go to Aldi, and as soon as they're done using the cart, Grab the coin. Just be waiting there for them behind the pillar. Yes, it's not hard to get a coin. Mm -hmm. So if you have anything that you'd like to add to this as far as... We desperately want to hear from you. Please mm -hmm. give us, amuse us, so we can amuse all of us with stories about what's been said amongst the crew. And then with the coaches and captains, we want to hear from you. Questions at checkcompletepodcast.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or Twitter. Message us on Facebook. We want to hear from you. High school soccer begins for many folks. Uh, the girls' season here in Kansas and Missouri, boys and girls in Nebraska and Iowa beginning here to run in the spring season. So it's a reminder for us uh, what the, we thought we'd just take a moment to go through the NFHS points of emphasis. So if you're not a high school referee, just just listen to it, okay? It's good mm -hmm. stuff. It's, it's yeah. decent. It can apply to, obviously these are specific to high school, but a lot of this does apply at whatever level soccer you're doing. Uh, but these are just a few reminders, and we'll talk through them briefly just so that hopefully we can continue to provide uh, some level of consistency across the board for high school competitions. 
So the first one is properly worn uniforms and marked fields. <clears throat> We're not going to go in depth about the uniforms and things, but pay attention to those and to the field markings as well. That's the gist of it. That but is the gist that, of it. You know, if, if there is illegal markings or fields are not properly marked correctly, uniforms, things like that, um, play the game unless it's a safety issue, but reach out to the local state association to make sure that change is there. But one thing that they do mention is uh, there's opportunity to communicate with game administration before the game. Take those opportunities to mention that, hey, this is not correct, okay? That goes a long way. Just that little bit of communication there with them. That way it's not a surprise when the state association reaches back into the state and says, hey, these game officials yeah. said that the field was not marked correctly. They go, well, we were talking to them before the game and right. they didn't say anything. Okay? So that's yeah. and A lot of the times they, they don't know themselves either. They're administrating four different sports. And Especially that little bit of communication does go a long way. Right. And if you're playing on a multi-surface field, oftentimes mm -hmm. uh, football is king many places. And so soccer and the marketing might not be correct. So I've, I've had athletic directors reach out to me um, before seasons or even before games, say, hey, would you mind taking a look at this to see this is what we're trying to do or show us sketches on their phone of what they're doing. Yeah, you need to make sure that's correct, those kinds of things, okay? Yeah. Uh, another thing that they always like to, to focus on is, broadly speaking, is calling fouls. And so they've talked about reckless and serious foul play. So we understand that soccer is a contact sport and so officials must be able to understand the differences between fair and hard play and then fouls. So this is important for ensuring both fair play and the safety of the players themselves. So they define reckless play as players acted with disregard to the danger to or consequences for the opponent. Uh, reckless play, the same as NFHS and USSF, is a caution. Then serious foul play is any play in which a player commits one of the offenses punishable with a direct free kick and uses disproportionate and unnecessary force against an opponent while playing for the ball. So slightly different wording than what we've heard on the USSF side, but the same, same thing applies. Serious foul play is uh, then punished with a red card. So it's important that officials recognize the differences between these two and then get the corresponding penalties right. And they've actually given us a couple of different tools to try to prevent that from happening in the, in the first place. Forty. Yeah, and one of those is addressing fair play and good sportsmanship during the pregame meeting. I, again, we talked about this in a previous segment about lengthy pregame meetings. Be careful. This is, maybe it's, just be careful how you go about addressing that, okay? Um, that could be something that is addressed in a pregame conversation. I think really the second bullet point there may be a little bit more apropos. Talk to players and captains during the match. Find the players for you that could be considered allies on the field mm -hmm. and work with them to help them help others make good decisions. One of the things I do say in my pregame, also I didn't mention this, is you guys know your teammates better than we do, okay? Mm -hmm. And if one of them has a short fuse, needs help making good decisions, that kind of thing, get to them before we do, because if I get there, it gets colorful. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and most captains on high school teams are elected, and they know their, their teams really well, and a lot of them are willing to, to help us out in those situations. Absolutely. And then they also talk about dealing with reckless and serious foul play immediately. So understanding what the differences are and then when it happens, dealing with it so it doesn't progress and get hotter and hotter and more tackles flying and that kind of thing. Right. And one of the comments or one of the <coughs> phrases that I've, that I've heard used before, I, I think the last person I've heard it credited to was Mark Katalesic was talking through this, a, a really great mind. If you have a chance to listen to ever, ever hear Mark speak, it's, it's worth your time. But Mark talks about um, uh, punishing the physical and managing the technical. Okay, mm -hmm. so this would be those physical challenges that we really, we, we have to, they're 100% yeah. yeah. misconduct. We've got to deal with it, okay? 
and um, and then that last piece, not to steal your thunder, but they just said use of headsets. Uh, yeah, that's nice when you can afford them. Okay. I think just communicating with your team is, is right. what they're really going for here. Right. So we want to work together, but I think really the, the gist of it, and that we wrote down, it's calling fouls. It is. Yeah. Calling fouls. Yeah. Calling the fouls, and and when those and and work with your local organizations. Get involved in local officials associations. If there's not one around you, be able to have those discussions with your peers so that you can have conversations to go, how can we help each other recognize when those fouls go from careless to reckless and reckless to excessive force? What are those considerations that bump us to the next tier? And how can we be able to recognize those? What do we do with the challenges in between that exist in the gray area between careless and reckless and reckless excessive? So um, I think that's the gist of what they're saying there. Big, big topic. Yes, big topic. very important. So the other one is high school education, excuse me, high school athletics is education-based. A lot of us have heard this before. It's an extension of the classroom. Understanding, I think one of the things that's important there is that students experience additional educational opportunities through their participation in sports. Um, their skills, life lessons that can be learned through sport, we know that. And us as referees are a part of those, mm -hmm. okay? Understanding that there's consequences for behavior or helping student athletes realize that. So it's not just about punishment, but it's also helping them realize the lessons that can be learned through soccer and, and understanding that it is an extension of the classroom. Yeah, and along the same vein, um, they've also stressed sportsmanship specifically in that interscholastic programs are supposed to be promoting good character, uh, enhancing the integrity of education and fostering civilities, the, the phrasing used there. And that's, and that's very true in high school soccer because they're not yet to that college level that semi-pro professional level where they've actually got jobs and scholarships on the line. We're, we're developing them as, as, uh, as young adults here, basically. And, and uh, it's, it stresses here that interscholastic athletic events should adhere to the uh, fundamental values, and they go on a list honesty, integrity, respect, caring, cooperation, trustworthiness, leadership, tolerance, and personal responsibility. And so we should, as referees, try to facilitate that development of, of the players on the field as well. Absolutely. And modeling that in and of ourselves as well when we're out there is, is crucial. And the last piece, <coughs> excuse me, is professional responsibilities of officials. Um, they talk about an official making sure that they're prepared physically and mentally, dressing neatly and appropriately, showing a mastery of the rules of the game and mechanics necessary to enforce those rules. And of course, being impartial and fair and firm in a controlled manner. Um, making sure they're staying up to, up to date with game management, as well as health and safety requirements. So there's some free courses that the NFHS offers. Kansas is a 100% state, so members, those who are um, KSHSA registered, can access the free courses, the courses for free on the NFHS network. Take advantage to do that. There's heat-related uh, illness training, there's concussions, there's implicit bias. All of those things are great resources for soccer officials that we'd encourage you to go look at. Um, we talked about this a little bit with our, as far as professionalism goes, that's a, that's a long discussion waiting to happen. Right. We talk about this with our new officials um, that, that go through our entry level clinics. You might not want to be there. The only people that should know that are you and maybe your crew member that's a good friend of yours. No one else should be able to know that by your body language. And so body language, the way you carry yourself, the way you communicate, the way you interact not only with your, with with your crew, but with the, the players, coaches, and officials should be at the uh, highest level of professionalism. And I'm guilty. I have, I have rattled off some one-liners that make for good storytelling, 
um, but maybe aren't the most appropriate. Yeah, and if we want to hold the, the students to the, the high standard that, that's in place, we need to hold ourselves to that as well, because we can't ask them to conduct themselves in a, in a good manner if we're not doing it ourselves. So if you're on the high school soccer pitch this spring, we wish you the best of luck. Remember these as you go out and about your business and continue to find ways to get better every day. We're excited to be here today, Brendan and I, alongside uh, Jeff Swartzel, a pro assistant referee out of Indianapolis. And uh, we're super excited, Jeff, that you've taken time to be with us today. It, it really means a lot, and we're excited to hear your story. And we've got some questions that we're going to lob your way. So to start, to just kind of get a background about who you are and allow you to maybe brag about yourself a little bit and your journey, too, um, which is totally okay. You know, where are you from? I've already kind of shown my hand there, but how long have you been officiating? What do you do outside of refereeing? And then give us a little glimpse. We've we talked about that off air of just your pathway. We really enjoy hearing, um, no matter where referees are in their journey, how they've gotten to where they are today. Sure. Yeah. Well, first, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I love the opportunity to talk about soccer any chance I get. So um, thank you for that opportunity. Um, as you said, I'm Jeff Swartzel. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana right now, and I've been um, a soccer official since 2011. Um, I got into the game because um, I had been a player my whole life. I was passionate about it. I loved playing. Um, my father had played professionally. And um, when it came time to go to college, uh, it turned out that I was a better runner than soccer player. And um, I decided to pursue track and field at the University of Akron. Um, and when my running days were over, I wanted to get back in the game. And I found that either adult leagues were way too competitive for a guy that went to work on Monday or not nearly competitive enough. And, um, you know, my dad, who had been an official, really encouraged me to go get a referee license and try it from that side of the whistle. So um, that was in 2011. Um, I worked kind of locally in Northeast Ohio for a few years. Um, and my wife and I decided to move here to Indianapolis in 2014. Um, and from there, um, I just worked through our system here and um, got my first professional game in 2016, an NASL game, um, and then just a few, year, few years later in 2020, uh, my first MLS game. So it was uh, about 10 years between first whistle to uh, first MLS game. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. So uh, outside of refereeing, what does life look like for you? Yeah, I work um, in IT. I work for a pharmaceutical company uh, here in Indianapolis, Eli Lilly. Um, I support their quality management on all of their um, product releases and the uh, medicines that they create. And my department is responsible for making sure that they're safe and um, healthy for everybody to use. So um, the great thing about that um, is that most of the work I do, I can do from home or kind of more commonly from a hotel when I'm on the road for a game somewhere. So um, there are a lot of times that I fly out after work, I'll work a day at a hotel and then do a game that night and then fly home early next morning. Yeah, absolutely. That's, cool. that's key. I know we have a lot of officials that when they're leaving college and beginning into the workforce as young professionals, they want to continue the referee career. And that's always something that they struggle with is finding work that is um, accommodating for their referee passions. I know we run into that where we'll have 
college soccer players come back and referee. And they're like, my job won't let me get out till five. I can't get to the JV start time at three 30 or whatever that, that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, we face the same issue here. Um, all of our you know, local high school games are assigned as a JV and varsity set. And, um, you know, we do find that those, those working professionals sometimes have a hard time getting out on, uh, for those JV games. And, um, you know, my, my recognition for everybody is that whether you're a high school official or college or just a youth official, there's a place for us all out there. And if you love the game, um, you want to give back to it, you can find a way from the officiating side. So, um, you know, there's weekends, there's certainly late nights, um, and there's all sorts of opportunities to stay, stay in touch with it. We might need to soundbite that for a recruiting plug because that's, <laughs> that is fantastic. I think sometimes folks see it maybe just from one vantage point and, and think that they have to fit a specific mold. But there is, like you said, a lot of avenues to get involved as an official in different aspects of the game. And uh, there's, we'll find a place for you if you're interested. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody has a different motivation. You know, there's guys out there that are trying to make a few bucks. There are guys out there trying to make it to the MLS. Um, there's guys out there trying to stay in shape and be fit. Um, you know, maybe parents that want to know more about the laws of the game. And we have a place for all of you there. It's all come all welcome. Please go to your local clinics, get a license and, and give back. We would love to have you. That's right. That's great, Jeff. Thank you. Well, we're going to, we've, we've got a little bit of your background there. We appreciate you sharing all that you've done. And we've heard some questions, received some questions from our audience and listeners. And so Brennan is going to start us off with a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. So, so Drew Klimp from Lansing, Kansas has asked us, uh, who is the most influential person to your referee career and why? Yeah, uh, great question, Drew. Um, you know, I could name a lot of people that helped me along the way, you know, mentors, administrators, assigners, um, people at U.S. soccer, people at Indiana soccer, and, and everywhere else in between. And what I find is that when you do that, you inevitably leave out a few people that were important. Mm -hmm. um, but the two people that were most important to me were actually pretty close. Um, you know, my wife, who um, has a demanding job of her own, we have a little girl here at the house. Um, you know, my trips often force her into being a single mother. And without her support, uh, none of this works. You know, her um, ability to manage our house and our lives when I'm gone um, is just something that doesn't usually get the headlines, um, you know, when a big call is made. Um, and the other person is my dad. You know, I mentioned him earlier. He was a professional player. Um, he was a referee in North Carolina when I was a kid. And I spent a lot of weekends out of the fields with him. And he would ref and I would watch or I would be the ball boy. Um, and when I started officiating, you know, we would talk after every game. We would talk through situations and scenarios and calls. And um, he would come see me ref sometimes. And, you know, he was the first real sounding board I had to get honest, good feedback um, you know, when everything you're hearing is negative from a sideline. So, you know, without those two people, I'm, I'm not here today for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It is very important to have a good support system at home. And it's not, not talked about nearly enough in our career. Gordy. Yeah. Well, and the follow-up question to that would be, and I think you've already answered this, but Carson has asked about uh, those that have inspired you to become a referee. So is that the same thing or is there more that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I, you know, there's certainly, um, there are certainly inspirations, both my wife and my father. Um, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, 1998 was like the first World Cup that I remember watching, 
you know, from start to finish. I was a freshman in high school. And um, like every American soccer player at the time, I was a fan of Brazil and Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos. So I was following the team closely. Um, and little did I know, but an American official was in the middle of um, a controversial game with them um, called a, at the time what everybody thought was a phantom penalty kick. And, um, you know, the next day the images came out that he was a thousand percent right. And it was the first time I really felt this human element of uh, that referee is Essie Bahamist, for those that don't know the story, um, you know, and, and the story will come full circle for me. He handed me my first national badge um, back in 2016. So um, I always found his story inspirational, his, you know, courage to make the right call in the big moment, um, his conviction to stick with it, um, you know, were the attributes of what you needed to be good at this job. We've always thought that this podcast could make people laugh and cry. And that could be <laughs> moment, a moment there. That full circle is a tearjerker moment. That's really, really, I'm sure that was an emotional thing for you to kind of go from watching this person to I'm, I'm here, you know, and yeah. he's handing me a badge. That's really cool. I am. I mean, I'm lucky for so many reasons, but um, you know, if I used to watch Mark Geiger um, on TV and I watched Howard Webb um, and I watched Jair Marufo and now these guys are, you know, on my speed dial and my phone. And it's just incredible to think, you know, how far you can come in just a short time to, you know, really make your way in this business. It's awesome, Jeff. Thank you. So Carson uh, F from Overland Park has waited in a couple other questions here, which I think are great. These are kind of fun. I, I like these. What's, what's the, like a craziest game that you've done? Wow. Um, you know, when I was coming up, um, one of the opportunities a guy like me would get to try your hand at an MLS game is in the open cup competition. And, you know, that's a competition that starts with your kind of local clubs and it escalates all the way to MLS clubs. And um, you as your local, um, you know, Kansas league might end up going all the way and playing an MLS team for the title. Um, I was lucky in 2019, I refereed the semifinal. It was between Minnesota and Portland, and it was in Minnesota. It was the first time I'd been in front of that kind of crowd, and um, I had a really, really close offside decision that went against the home team that they very passionately disagreed with. <laughs> and, um, you know, for all of my fellow ARs out there, you will never be 100% certain when it's that fast and it's that close. And I was sure that I had missed it. And, um, the fans were going crazy. The coach had going crazy. And I thought, I can't even leave the locker room. I have to stay back because I'm not wanted here anymore. And I was lucky to get a text at halftime that showed me the still shot, that it was the correct decision, renewed my confidence. Um, you know, but after walking back out of the tunnel and looking at the crowd right behind my goal, I thought, maybe I won't check the goal of the second half and I'll just, I'll go over to the touchline. And <laughs> so <laughs> um, that was certainly the craziest kind of moment that I'd been in uh at least up to that time yeah that's great so Carson also wants to know uh who is the coolest player that you've ever refereed um yeah I'll have to I'll have to temper my answer uh there are a lot of cool players in the MLS right now um but um I, you know I'll, I'll actually say around that same time I got to officiate a Liverpool match um you know back then before COVID um the EPL teams and some of the German teams would come to the U.S. and play exhibitions in their preseason and I had grown up a Liverpool fan um, I was a huge Jurgen Klopp fan and just the whole team was awesome and 
um, after the game, you know, we, it's, it's, it's just a friendly and it's fun and everybody enjoyed themselves. Um, Jurgen came to the locker room after and gave everybody a signed Jersey, everybody on the team, um, all four officials got one and I've got mine framed. It's in my office now. And um, that was, that was cool because these are guys that we only get to see on TV. You know, we don't get to interact with them here as much. So um, I'll say Liverpool was the coolest experience I'd had, you know, with Jurgen and, and his team. I figured that would be a loaded question that you probably <laughs> couldn't answer being that you are still very much in the middle of your career there. And speaking of loaded questions, we did get another question <laughs> from the spouse of someone, you know, well, who has asked, who is your favorite referee to work with? <laughs> You know, John Freeman is probably my favorite guy in the last. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, that's actually true. I, I do love all of our MLS officials. Um, you know, each one of them has a unique personality. It's fun. Um, I mentioned before, I looked up to Essie Brahamas as I was kind of coming through my career path. Um, and I modeled a lot of what I did after him. Um, you know, and unfortunately, there's kind of fewer AR names out there that you would know. So, um, I really had to kind of focus on the referee side of the whistle. So um, I, I'll say Essie for now. I, I love what he did. I, like I said, I loved his courage and his conviction and, and willing to take the, the difficult role of calling a penalty against, um, you know, the fan favorite. So that, that'll still I'll stick with. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, before we move on to the next question there, it's interesting. We've had the discussion in different sports um, about whether you'd like to work with one crew like football officials do. And this is going off script, Jeff, so I apologize. I said I wouldn't do this, but here I am. Um, whether we, you know, football officials get to work with their crew week in and week out. And mm -hmm. the same guys, you know who you're going into battle with, you know, every game. And in soccer and, and the other sport that I do basketball, we've talked about that. Would, would there be benefit to working with the same crew or is there, and so I guess I pose this as a question to you kind of on the spot. But is there benefit to being able to work with the same crew every week or is it a refreshing opportunity to kind of gain different perspectives and, and work with rotate around work with different officials? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, there is something very comfortable about going into a game, especially a big game with somebody who kind of fits your pattern. Um, you know, I, I call the game a certain way and I work best with officials who call the game the same way I do. And there's something very comforting knowing what will a foul be today, what's a yellow card and what's a red card. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we grow when we're uncomfortable. And so working with new officials and learning their tendencies, um, you know, just brings you a different perspective of how they manage the game and how, how they put place importance on different things. So um, it, it's a little both. I do love some of the consistent crews I get to see, um, but at the same time, you know, I love a new, a new opportunity to meet a new face. That's a great answer, Jeff. Thank you very much. Yeah. So on a little bit of a more serious note here. So Ricardo has asked, uh, did you ever hit a wall when you were climbing the ladder? And uh, if so, how did you overcome those obstacles? Yeah. Uh, great question, Ricardo. Um, you know, being an AR is nothing but a wall. <laughs> um, 90% of your games, nothing happens for you. And, um, you know, you can go a long time and throughout the season where you don't have big decisions, you don't have big games. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, you make what you want out of your own opportunities. Um, you know, I certainly had plenty of games where, I didn't feel like people were watching. I didn't feel like I was making a difference. And it's a chance for you to really re-reflect on 
how can you give back? You know, how can you, um, you know, make more out of what you're getting? Maybe it's talking to the assessor longer and asking other questions, or uh, maybe it's, you know, making more connections with the referees and assistants on your crew um, and, and building their trust. Um, maybe it's a chance for you to show off your work rate and your fitness. Um, but I'm a firm believer that every single assignment you get, um, no matter what the level is, is an opportunity for you to work on your craft and do things the right way. So that, you know, when you have that big moment in Minnesota, the place is going crazy. It's just muscle memory for you. You know, you're just doing what you've practiced a million times before. And if people are watching, that's great. And if people aren't, then they will the next time. So, you know, the, the, the wall is difficult. The road is long. Um, and all I can say is you have to keep doing things the right way every time because eventually it will matter and you want to you wanna have done it the right way that time too. That's great. That's great. My mind goes a thousand directions with that because there's such good tidbits in what you said there. I'll let it go because as I'm going to say here towards the end, this is not the last time that we will see Jeff. Jeff's going to be a part of what we're doing here as we move forward. Um, to provide continuing opportunities for education for our viewers and listeners. So the, the last question that I will ask, um, and as you and I exchanged messages, it's appropriate that I ask this question regarding VAR since it is the Czech Complete podcast. So my, my question, especially, you know, as we watch games, we see, uh, I think VAR impacts uh, assistant referees quite a bit in, in just having to delay the flag. I mean, I think about what that would be like for me to go, my whole life I've been trained to, I see active involvement. I've got all three pieces to my puzzle and boom, I put my flag up. And then now you guys are being told, no, wait and <laughs> wait and wait and wait. And then, so my question is, you know, going from doing games where you weren't using VAR and not having that opportunity to, um, to be part of your crew that day to now going to, you know, doing those games regularly. What was that transition like? Talk to us a little bit. Get, let's get inside your head a little bit with what that's like. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, first I'll say that on the surface, it's not a lot different if you're taking care of business. Um, at VAR starts with the on-field decision. So if you um, can get your calls correct and, um, you know, you're accurate, then you might go a long time without ever talking to the VAR. And that's, that's really what we aim for. The on-field decision is what's first. And if it's correct, then, then we don't even need those guys. Um, but you brought up, you brought up the big difference in games, um, is the delayed flag. And there is a whole, um, you know, series of decisions that go into whether to delay or not, you know, is it a goal scoring opportunity? Um, how likely is it that you're wrong? Um, you know, is, is it a close decision? Is it a far decision? Is he moving towards the goal away from goal? And all of those things have to go through your mind in just a fraction of a second to know, um, do I flag this immediately or do I let this play? Um, you know, for me, I was lucky that the VAR program had been installed um, now for a few years by the time I got my first on-field assignment. And um, it gave me a chance to go through those mental repetitions for years of what would I say and what would I do and how would I look and how would I act um, so that when my moment came, I had been through it as many times in my head as I could. Um, I did have a delayed flag in my first game. And the part of the game that probably scared me the most was that, and it was as natural as you could be. And I think a lot of it is just that mental preparation of watching the clips and going through the thought process and, you know, learning from the guys who had done it for years and years before I even got there. So 
Um, you know, but that's also just a small component of what those guys can help us with. Um, you know, the, the thing I had to learn was um, how to quickly uh, communicate with those guys when I had seen something. And, um, you know, I'll give an example. Um, we had some off the ball contact in a match that I was doing and um, the player was holding his face and I very clearly seen him get hit in the chest. And so the two pieces were not adding up. And um, I was able to quickly communicate to the VAR that, we had contact in the chest and that we did not have any, you know, hands to the face. And when the VAR is able to clear that quickly, now we have this extra tool at our management to, um, you know, tell players that may be upset or that didn't see what happened or, um, you know, think that their player has been wronged. Um, you know, we can quickly tell them what actually did happen and, you know, whether the player is, is rightfully hurt or not. So, um, you know, recognizing those moments where, you know, getting and giving information might be beneficial um, was, a, was a big learning curve for me. Wow, absolutely. That's fascinating. Well, that, that wraps up the questions that we've received. Um, this has been wonderful, Jeff. I really appreciate your time. It, you know, are there, is there anything else that like, you're not going to be able to sleep tonight unless you say this out loud on the Check Complete podcast? We want to give you space for that. Yeah, sure. No, I, I think we've covered the high points. Um, I, I would just say, you know, the most common question I do get asked is, you know, what does it take to be a professional official in the, in the U.S.? And when I was coming up, um, James Connolly was um, the AR coach for Pro 2, and he was just a tremendous educator and teacher and friend to me. Um, and he used to talk about all of these different attributes. And you had to be correct and accurate, and you had to be confident, and you had to be professional, and you had to be all these things. And he was right. You, you can't get to the MLS without being accurate. You can't get there without being professional. Um, but the last thing he always would tell me, he said that the best officials were those that cared about the game, the players that played it, and had just an undying passion for learning and growing in every moment of every game until it matters. So um, I took that advice and I, I think about that every day of just what could I do better? What can I do more? Um, how can I be more fit? How can I be more knowledgeable? How can I be more accurate? Um, and I think that passion for excellence is, is really what separates the people that make it and the people that don't. Because there, there are a lot of people out there that are accurate, accurate as me, um, and they're not making it maybe because of one of those other little pieces. Absolutely. That's great. Brendan, do you have any wise words for us before we end our interview? With I don't, Jeff? I don't know if I can top anything that Jeff has said, so I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at what, what's already been said. <laughs> Very good. Well, we do really appreciate it, Jeff. And like I said, we're, um, we're not saying goodbye. We're going to say, see you soon. Cause we're going to, going to, uh, see other ways we can incorporate you into what we're doing here and your expertise and, and everything. And then of course, if you're in Kansas city, we'll, you know, barbecue on us. So <laughs> let us know. For sure. Uh, I can't wait. Very good. Well, thanks, Jeff. Um, we'll, we'll say goodbye, but uh, we'll talk to you again soon. So Great. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, sadly, we're coming to an end of episode two of the Check Complete podcast, but not before we touch on a couple of items. Last uh, episode, we talked about your word or phrase of the bi-week, I guess, two weeks, 
was uh, malfeasance. We still want to know if you've worked that in. We need to hear from you on that. But we yes. have another word that you can work in if you haven't, if you didn't want to use malfeasance or you've already done it or whatever. This word is lurking. <laughs> lurking. We're, so we're a little bit backstory. of backstory here is uh, so we both are instructors. We teach the uh, the ELC classes for referees. Entry level clinics. Yes. And so one of the video clips that we use in class is from an English game, and the uh, it's an offside situation. Player in an offside position gets the ball, puts it in the net, and the commentator is going, "Is he in an offside position? He's lurking." <laughs> <laughs> so. Every time we play the clip, we always laugh. He's lurking. I love that. <laughs> so if you can work that into your game, and mega bonus points if you can do it with a British accent. Yes, absolutely. Even if you don't have a British accent. Just do it. It'll be more fun. Yeah. Send us a video if you can work that into it. Yeah, please do. Please do. Please do. Well, if you're not already, please make sure you follow us on Facebook at Check Complete, on Twitter and Instagram at check underscore complete. We're also on all your favorite places to quench your podcast thirst, so you can listen to us. Um, and you can watch us on YouTube, which hopefully you already are. We also are starting something new. We really want for you to send us your crew pictures. Take pictures before, after, during your game, whenever you can do it, of you with your crew. Send them to us. And we want to feature those at the end of each of our podcasts, uh, kind of a scrolling yeah. tribute to our listeners, to you guys, or listeners slash viewers, whatever you're doing. And it can kind of show where you're from. So it will include your first name and last initial and where you're from. And we want to see where you're working across maybe even the world. That'd be well, super cool. Let's ahead of ourselves here. Okay. Or yeah. maybe just on maybe the other side, side of the city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least Summit. Um, anyway, so we want to, to see those. We also want to hear about your pregame nonsense. Okay, so we want to hear about that, uh, conversations yeah. that have been had in a pregame conversation with your crew, and then with those uh, coaches and captains. Another thank you to Jeff Swartzel, our pro AR, who's going to continue to work with us for other segments and things in the future. We're super excited. We're not going to say what we're going to do yet, but we've got some things up our sleeves for what we're doing. But huge thank you to Jeff. What a wonderful uh, interview with him. If you do have other suggestions or questions for us, questions for a pro referee, um, how much you love our podcast, how much you really enjoy looking at at least one of the hosts, uh, yeah. let, us, let, us, let us know. <laughs> um, reach out to us, questions at Check Complete Podcast. You can email me directly, gordy at checkcompletepodcast.com, or reach out to us on one of our social media platforms as well. And once again, if you have any negative feedback for us, please write that on the back of a Torex smart ball pump with replacement needles and send that to our P.O. box. We'll get right back to you with that. Yes, we will. Brendan, Gordon. it was fun. Thanks for it's watching. Real. It's been real. Thanks for watching and listening. We hope to see you back here soon.